0: If I said to you the words married to the game, what would you say back? Uh, got my all black wedding ring. Correct. If I said to you the words black cars, black cars, what would you say back? All black everything. If I said the words to you in my all black test mode, what would you say back? Oh, oh, um, oh shit. What, what is the, the rhyme to this? Uh, I just been to Tesco. Yeah, that's it. That's the those are the lyrics. Thank you. Okay. Is is P Money here today to talk us through fr- through that and do like a rap genius style thing? Unfortunately not. It's look, so one of the things that I think rugby is generally lacking in, generally hasn't lived up to. You know, if there's one disappointing thing about the Rugby World Cup, right? It's that there are not enough rap songs about teams competing in the Rugby World Cup that name drop players. Yeah, Would I agree, agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree I would with go oh, wait, that. Follow what was the one of test mode? What was the rhyme for that? So I'm going at them in my all-black test mode, and when I hit them, there's only one way they're going to know. I'm spitting every line hard. Jerome Kano. Oh, there we go. That's bars. That's bars. You see, we need more of this in the Rugby World Cup. Desperately, so much more. So we did on 2011, we covered in some detail, Scribe and P-Money's hit. They're big, massive hits. One of the biggest songs in the history of New Zealand. All Black Everything, which is yeah. a, a piece of hip-hop music the, styled about the New Zealand national rugby team, colloquially known as the All Blacks. Correct. And we even had P Money on the podcast several times to talk through his rap lyrics. It was a delight, right? Yes. This year, heading into the 2023 World Cup, South Africa have an official anthem, and Portugal have an official anthem. Yes. Poor showing from the other 18 really really poor there may be some we've missed and i really want to hear them if anyone knows of them please send them my way yeah yeah i think we should now play a game where i'm mm-hmm. going to mention a rugby player and then you're going to spit some bars about them i <laughs> so, am a celebrated rapper i want you to know this you are you are best out there so in the world. and i'm squid or whatever you rob you're going to call me uh you are i am willow in but your the goal. MC is at some point, Robbie or squidgel. The goal at some point is we'll talk about France v Georgia. But yeah, we will get that. Yeah, no. so Please, this is how we're going to keep the, the podcast under two hours. But the first thing I'm mm. going to say is, if somebody said something like the like Bowden Barrett, what would you uh, say? I would say, wait. Do you want do you want their name to be in the bars? Yeah, go on. Okay, so I have I've gotta I've gotta come up with a rhyming couplet about Bowdoin Barrett. Well you can use cool. his name earlier in the rhyme if you want. Ah, okay, okay. So okay. you can say Bowden Barrett is really fast and uh when he's at fullback no one gets past or something like that. Bowden Barrett, he should make a million like Chris Tarrant. Great stuff, great stuff. Yeah. Uh okay, how about so number two, we're gonna do three of these, I'm gonna okay. say. So number two is gonna be Richard Hardwick. <laughs> okay 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 it's a, it's a great pull it's a great pull um he k- kills like john wick he's richard hardwick and he is going to shop at wicks however what you need to bear in mind is that he is richard hardwick that's good that's good i like that i like that what if, what about Hinckley's Valvassa? Oh, good one, good one, good one. Romania utility back Hinkley Valvasa. I think it's important. We drill this into people's minds. He is class. He is very, very good. And you know what? Do you want to hear some great lyrics about bars? All right, yeah, go on. (laughs) No, I'm just... Look, I think it's important that we remind people over and over. People may watch the Romania video and forgotten about it, you know? Hinkley Valvasa, really, really good utility back. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) you want... (laughs) You know what? Okay, Hinkley Valvasa, Gunya... Gonna hand you your asser when he you sidestep your Hinkley Valvassa. Nice, nice. I'm not good at this. I, I was it? I was thinking more something like what if I was gonna tell you who's a good passer? Well, look at Romania's oh, Hinkley valvasa That's good. That's good. See, yeah. this is why I draft everything eight times. You can tell which of the two of us listens to hip hop, and which of the two of us is a desperate rewriter. Um, <laughs> Look, it's a first draft, and by draft 18, my work's normally okay. Your bars will be sick, fam. Yes. However, I bring this up for a reason. Okay. Are you familiar? Not, yeah. uh, uh, With the French artist or French group, the hip-hop stylings of the French group Bootyful. No, I'm not familiar with Bootyful. Spelt B-B. O-O-T-Y-F-U-L-L. No one knows anything about Bootyful. I've tried Googling them. There's nothing out there. There is one song, and even it's really hard to track down, it's basically hidden. However, this was brought to my attention by Mono Doe, Mono underscore Doe on Reddit, Okay, who is a bit of a hero. He's great. He will sporadically share clips from the games that accompany the podcast on Reddit. Oh, Uh, cool. so he's this a week, listener. Yeah, he's a listener to the podcast. Hello I to wanna... Mono Doe. I hope you're well and I hope you're enjoying yourself. He last week shared the Pez Bomb TM. Oh yes, the Pez Bomb. Which we brought up, the maybe the best kick that has taken place at the Rugby World Cup. So he shared, he hosted a description of the podcast. I thanked him for it. You know, he's been... Oh, thrilled, what a legend. He this quite often. You know, he's a bit of a hero. Oh, uh, a dude. He that as someone he's obsessively watched the Mad Hero B99 YouTube channel after school every day, it felt the podcast was kind of designed for him. Oh, yes. Finally, someone else who feels like this podcast is a necessity. Because I'll tell you what, we have a handful of people who listen and they all think it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> However, he also brought my attention... To the work of Bootyful. Okay. Okay. Because Bootyful in 2007 released a song titled Him France 2007. Oh my God. Wait, what? And Him France 2007 was the official World Cup anthem for the French national rugby team. No fucking way. For their home World Cup. I'm so glad. Like, if we got through this entire podcast not ever addressing this, I would never have slept again. No. So this was released on YouTube in July 2007, a few months before the World Cup. It got a total of 13,000 views over the last 16 years, which is, you know, doable. It's modest. Always. That was yeah. like early YouTube as well, 2007. Like, yeah. That's pre-Potter Puppet Pals. That's how far back we're talking. right? Is it and as it, good as Potter Puppet Pals? Like? It's got, in those 16 years, a grand total of 22 likes. Oh yes, I am live. Going to give it as twenty third. That have... does remind me, by the way. The other day when we were in the office, mm. we were looking at like pure like accident and coincidence. Those old clips that the Rabbit Direct Pro Twelve used to share yes. of just like Alberto Di Bernardo missed kick at goal, <laughs> and just like really shit penalties and shit tries, and yet yeah, missed penalties and conversions and so on. And they would upload individually, which a says like how YouTube has evolved as a medium, and b that. We found it hilarious to just watch these videos really yeah. intently. And Lewis if, Robling misdrop goal. Yeah. If anybody can find the po- the comments yes. that the Squidge Rugby official account has left on there recently, then I'll give you a mention on the podcast. I will give you DM it to me. Okay. No. If you if you post it publicly or anything so that it comes to my attention, right? Because I am very bad for checking my DMs because yeah. you know what? I get a lot of shit in there and yeah. I get some very lovely people as well. And I get a lot of people asking me things like, <laughs> so do you think Lacan well, You Am is secretly racist? And I'm like, what? Why yeah. are you asking me that? Whereas if people hate me, they direct it at you saying, can you get that cunt off the podcast? <laughs> oh, so <laughs> often. So often. I assume it's at me though. So yeah, I'll have to see it publicly, you know, whatever. But I will, if I ever meet you, give you one pound. <laughs> okay okay i would also give one pound so yes. if you meet both of us then and yes. you can However, you and cannot, prove that it was you who sent it the cannot be at my house it cannot be anywhere i live right? <laughs> no 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 like, we you have to tracking meet by me down does not count yeah if you happen to be anywhere i am and you go oh i was the guy who found the comment on the video of x you know what Good on you. I will give you one pound. I probably won't have one on me, but I will like get change out or something. Yeah. It's convenient. Or I buy something that is one pound. It's worth one pound. Equivalent value. Yeah. Yeah. I might like, I might stretch like a Greg's pasty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll just get you like four lots of chewing gum from Tesco or something. Yeah. However, look, we have dilly dally too much. We have. have. I think it is time for you to hear Booty Falls, him, France, 2007. Yes, I am so ready for this. Wait, this isn't original. This was written by the Beatles. it's a sample. It's a sample. This is all you need as love. Hello, this took a turn. (laughs) Nimi Atialata in the music video. Yeah. More music videos need him. Here we go. I am bogeeing right now. Oh, it's a banger, isn't it? Oh, it's cool they're doing it in the order of positions. They're doing the back row right now. Mention David Skrella, please. Champion du Monde. Champion du Monde. Firmly into the outside backs now. Oh yeah. Oh what? So's Blanco. Yeah, into legends now. Oh Ontomac. It's amazing to think back then he was only a legend. Yeah. He wasn't anything to be off present. Hey, I've just seen a shite try from 1999 in the music video. Oh, it's Can't great! Can't wait to cover that. Oh wow, I might have just—I think I've just seen Alan Penno in the music video. <laughs> See, the guy who looks like Damien Penno. Champion, do more. What, what a belter that! Did was. you make of that? That was phenomenal. That was genuinely a lot of fun. And look, the bars weren't as crisp as P Money's. I'll, I'll so be honest with you. It, I think it's a proto version of that. The Very lyrics so, are essentially: I... "Say hello to the champions of the world. Say hello to the champions of the world. Say good morning to the champions of the world." And then they're just listed they hide, as champions seven of the world. Then Prince it's the just world the French squad. squad. Yes, but that does mean that it name drops Lionel Boxis. Indeed it does. And that is my issue with modern hip-hop, is that yeah. not enough of it does mention Lionel Like yeah. That was really when Jay-Z fell off, was when he stopped mentioning Lionel you know, Boxis in his it songs. It was actually, yeah, it was a really cool part of NWA splitting up was mm. that core divide with Ice Cube wanting to be mentioning Leonel Boxing's really of regularly. Was Yeah, he wanted him to be coming up in most of their songs. Yeah. Um, Whereas Dr. Dre, the fucking sellout, was just yeah. there like, mm, no, I'm not really sure. I'm a bit more of a fan of Francois Tranduc. Yeah, and it just became a huge split that led to Ice Cube leaving after just one record and starting his movie career. And Eazy-E and... was a bit more Christophe on and just, you know. Yeah. Well, it's why if you go back and watch Friday now... Actually, most of the jokes are references to Leonel Boxis. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting that Norm was really paying attention at the time because he hadn't yet played for France in the rugby. But by the time he did, actually, and when you look back now, it's really obvious just just the extent to which the movie Friday is entirely, entirely about Leonel Boxis. Yeah. and, and Nicola Ice Friday. Cube. Nicola Friday, also big, big fan of Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, and also is in the film Friday, right? Yeah, 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 and the Fridays the band. Yeah, do you think the Cure song "Friday I'm in Love" is about Nicola Friday? Yeah, well, she's in love. Yeah, with being retired from the Irish national rugby team because that's yes. a shit show. The and extra scrum off Stuart Townsend. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, of course. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they are. Yeah, it's yeah. a fun combo. Anyway, so let's talk about rugby players' personal lives. Let's talk about the rugby game. The game today is France versus Georgia, and we get to see some of those names listed in Bootyful's glorious, glorious piece of work. Indeed, indeed. And the only reason why we're focusing on that is because, look, Georgian bands, you need to pick up the game. You need to start making songs about this list of names, because then we'll talk about them more, you know? Absolutely. Look, I think we need so many Georgian hip hop songs mm. that mention I don't know. Look, I'll settle for like Lobs and say is like a basic bitch version, but like, you know, Georgie Tikaladze, why isn't he coming up regularly yeah, in exactly. hip hop? Exactly. It needs to happen more. And so, look, this is a game that is notable, I think, solely for one thing. Right? Yes. Like, we can talk around everything else. We talked around the song there, grand, whatever, who cares. The one thing this game is famous for, notable for, really, really important in the history of rugby union for, is this is the game where Lionel Boxy was awarded the official man of the match in the Rugby World Cup. Oh, hello. Hello, we've popped the cork already. It is the only pool game where Lionel Boxy starts in a Rugby World Cup ever. Right? Yeah. 100% record, first and foremost. But also, this means that we at the Squidward World Cup Retrospective are here to party. We are indeed. We are here to talk about nothing but Ye and L for the next probably five hours, knowing us. Yeah, that's the thing. As I say, we want to to keep this under two hours because last episode was fucking long, wasn't it? Yeah. But imagine how long it had been if Ye and L was playing, man. I know. So, look, I think it is worth us taking a quick moment to talk about our Lord and Saviour, Leonel Boxis. I think it's worth taking a bit more than a quick moment to talk about him, but yes, yes. So, Leonel Boxis is one of the most beloved rugby players of all time, one of the greatest rugby players of all time, and one of the rugby players of all time. Yes. He was a player who was born to the game and also to the town of Taubes in France, which is one of those towns that you only know exists because it has a team that flows in another Pro-Day-Durk. <laughs> yeah. Um, between Federal 1 and pro day Either yeah. way, they don't get caught punching front rowers, you know? They're just up and down, up and down, up and down. No TMOs are watching out for them. No. Do you want some other rugbymen that came from that town? Go on. So probably the most famous, I guess, is Winchester Laure, whose father okay. did not play for France, about what we said in the <laughs> previous episode, the former chairman of World Rugby, Bernard Lapasse, uh, Nicolas Lahirage, who won two caps for France. Oh, mate, I remember Nicolas Laharage. and his brother and Julian. I'm going to go as far as saying, good player, good player, good player. I didn't, I didn't realize he played for France, to be honest. Yeah, two but... caps, two caps. Oh, was that a Saint Andre <laughs> thing? <laughs> two... No, 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 the no. No, even. What? It was two caps in World Cup warm-ups before this tour. Oh, mad. Huh. Yeah. Against the All Blacks, bizarrely. But (laughs) um, it must be a rare thing. Players have only played against the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's fun. Good old Nicolas or Julian Laharaga. Can't remember which one's which. Yeah, two caps, both against the All Blacks. A 61-10 loss and a 42-11 loss. (laughs) Wow wow but yeah so look it's a hell of a crop that he comes from Mm. yet he remains king the other famous player from the town of tarbs is olivier azam okay who is you know some some pedigree i guess Mm -hmm. there's a handful of people who are like france famous comedians and musicians and stuff to quickly scroll through like I'm not coming across anyone I think is particularly famous, even as someone that, you know, like, I don't want to sound like a massive wanker, knows French cinema reasonably well. There's no way to say that sentence without sounding like the biggest bellend on earth, though. It's not much of a flex, I can't lie to you. Look, we start with Leonardo Boxiste's birth on October 24th, 1985. Yes. And here's the thing. I don't know why we have BC and AD Why we don't have a separate one for Post, the 24th of October, 1985. Yes. B-Y and A-Y. Yes. Do we know the origin of why he's called L, by the way? Uh, So L is a kind of joke that sprung up in France. I believe it comes from Yo-Yo and Lionel, um, (laughs) because he was up and down like a yo-yo. I like it. I like it. That suddenly makes sense. Yeah. But it was... A very kind of he was widely beloved in France, as a kind of cult hero. Like imagine Andy Goode if he wasn't a dickhead, yeah, which is hard to imagine. Yeah, so Lionel Boxis, right? Mm. He takes up rugby at age five. Yes, he starts playing at the club Louis Marcus Square, my favorite which is club, a small mountain valley team. Like the the ground is upper mountain. Like, okay, I've seen some grounds in Wales that are like that. You know glorious space. His dad, Patrick Boxis, mm-hmm. was their starting fly half oh, what and guy. got the club right up to the Pro des Duh! De, oh my where God. Where he then won promotion. What a player. So there they this like tiny team. Patrice... Oh, Patrick, sorry. My brain is automatically filling with being Patrice because he's yeah. French. No, Patrick Boxis. It just doesn't sound right. It's not that like yeah. Lionel. Patrick Boxis was like this outstanding fly half He managed to get... The, his team all the way up from like the fifth division all the way up to the top 14 they didn't stay there very long they went back you know back down but that's fine you don't yeah. want to be in the top 14 they've got tmos up there patrick was Dangerous. famous for how far he could kick a ball barefoot <laughs> yes that is the most leonel ball baller dad story i could possibly hope for so obviously Lionel inherited the same gift mm-hmm. and very quickly managed to rise right up. So, Lionel Boxis comes through as a youngster where he signs his first professional contract with Poe. Mm-hmm. He'd initially played before that at Armac Binguin, who he managed to win some like amateur titles with before signing professionally to go and play at Poe, where he made his professional debut at age 18 in the oh. Pro Day De what a player. And at the time, right? Here's the thing. Leonardo Boxese at the time had like shaggy curly hair, which is an outstanding sight. Yes, I can I can visualize that. But even more impressive, right? This was back in two thousand two. Leonard Boxese of this era played with bright green gloves on. Oh hello. Again, I can Brock imagine James. it. I can imagine it. There is a clip out there. There's a very good article written by Avale Mask who would be a, like someone would absolutely have had on the pod repeatedly. He if, would be on this episode. Yeah. Over and over. He would be on and be an outstanding guest. He's a fantastic follower on Twitter. The problem is he would to take translate tweet uh, i've had a couple of conversations with him over dm and stuff where we have to like speak back and forth in different languages and hit translate yes. It's manageable which is the reason why we've not had him on this podcast. the only reason yeah. why he's not been on this podcast he speaks much better english than i do french which is gonna be worrying to say i'll be in france like this time next month sure but sure know, there we go it's all right i've got like 20 days to get on a yeah go. but the great thing is right he's got in this article that you can find if you start googling for you know, boxee, and no a volley mask. It'll come up. Mm. There is a clip of him as a 19-year-old scoring a drop goal from his own half, <laughs> like sitting in the pocket and nailing this drop goal. He also, like at the time, had like Gavin Henson, like spiky hair, oh, man. which does not look good on him at all. Does not look. But right. that's fine. That's not what matters. Yeah. I think what sums up You know, boxy so well is that game where he both did the volley kick up to himself from a long clearance kick. Like, he was playing fullback. Somebody did a really long clearance kick to him. and He stood, like, 50 metres further back in the backfield, right? And he just nonchalantly sticks out his left foot and touches the ball up to himself in his hands. He it's did glorious. that in the same game as the one where somebody passed the ball back into the pocket for him and he tried to randomly volley it, even though it was passed into his bread basket. And he went into his own dead ball area and the opposition scored. Like... Those two things contrasted with each other, and the fact that occasionally he would just nail like 57 meter drop goals, but also he would like slice kicks out in the fall all the time and go for like random overhead chip kicks and stuff. The- all of this combined together makes ENL Box East the biggest cult hero in rugby history. Absolutely. So, 2006, right? He gets into the France under 21 squad mm-hmm. to play in the penultimate under 21s world championship. Okay, okay. France make it all the way to the final with him as the star player. Of course they do. Fly Half, right? It's an outstanding, outstanding period of time. It's one of the greatest days. It's something I'm sure you remember very fondly. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the more important games of rugby ever. What can yeah. I say? This was 2006, so a year before this World Cup. right? Okay. He starts at number 10 for France in this final. His opposite number that day, I'm going to give you. So they're playing against South Africa. I'm going to give you three guesses to select who was at 10 South Africa under 21s in 2006. Monet Steyn. Nope. They are international. Butch James. I don't know how old he was. Nope. No, No, he was even he... well old. Yeah. Um, Pat Lambie. Nope. They go on to play for France. Oh, shit. What? Um, so that really narrows it down. That means it's. Holy fuck, no. Scott Spedding. Scott Spedding. Scott Spedding. What? Was at 10 for South Africa, opposite him. Oh my goodness. And obviously, that goes as well as you'd expect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lionel Boxes is man of the match and scores 24 points. Of course, he was. He was man of the match in every game he played. He was yep. the goat. Also in that team, Sebastian T.S. Board. Oh, yeah, I his remember partner. In the centre, you've got Maxime Memoz. Yeah. You've got Maxime Maidar, a fullback. Yeah. You've got Shulyan Adrago in the back row. Okay. This
1: and is in the solid, front row, man.
0: right? You've got Toma Domingo. Wow, he's and... that young. Yeah, I was totally surprised by that as well. And Gilliam Garrado. Wow. I mean, yeah, that checks out. That checks out. Toma Domingo was that young. I thought yeah. he was like really old in the 2009 Grand Slam. He'd have been, like, no, 23. I did as well, yeah. Which is mad. Like, he just looked old his entire career. He had old energy, man. He did. So, Lionel Boxis, right? Not only managed the match in the final, he's then crowned World Junior Player of the Year. Of course he is. I'm going to read the bit from Avali Masks' piece on this, but okay. translated into English. Lionel, he is crowned best young player in the world and succeeds a prestigious list of names, including Richie McCaw, Jerry Collins, Jerome Kaino, Luke McAllister, Isaiah Toiava, Gavin Henson. This is not a joke. Check Wikipedia. <laughs> Off the back of that, he leaves Poe, who'd just been relegated from the Pro D uh, mm-hmm. down to Federale 1. He signs for Stade Francais. Yes. Now we're talking. This is his glory days, man. This is where it all begins. This is 2006, off the back of a world championship title, right? And he slowly managed to kick David Skrela out of the team as a 20-year-old. <laughs> God. Jesus Christ. Skreller is not the one. Largely thanks to, there was a penalty from 50 metres in the 80th minute to get a draw against the Ospreys in the European Cup. And that was a big factor in Bernard Laporte, even though he only had a handful of starts at this point because he was behind... David Bloody Skrella at this point, bringing him in for the 2007 Six Nations. He wins the okay. first cap against Italy, but the second was against Ireland at Croke Park, right? And I remember how that went. So, this is the interesting first moment. With a few minutes to go, of course, you know, you know this game. You know what this game Yeah, to be yeah I know what happens pass. at the end of this game. Yeah. Ireland are 14 13 ahead mm-hmm. with four minutes to play. Lionel Boxis has just come on for a second cap and he hits the post with a drop goal. Oh, man. However, it's all okay because France recover the ball and a few minutes later, like a minute or two later, he throws a wide ball to a certain Mr. Vincent Clair who darts through, scores the try, that still traumatises an awful lot of Irish people because he would have won a grand slam if he hadn't done that. Yes. And look, people call Vance Clair the Irish heartbreaker, but no, it's UNL Box Yep. And so, look, this means that, of course, he earns the chance to start at 10 for the first time against Scotland at the end of the Six Nations. Okay. How did that go? Obviously, incredibly well. Two penalties, five conversions, and I think the best of the thing. Uh, okay, look, France win 46-19, which is a good enough points difference for them to win the title. So they need okay. a 24 points or more victory to win. They trust Boxe's. His conversions are the difference. Yeah, of winning course the they title are. going into this tournament. Mate, what a player you know The thing is, I feel like now that we've done all this, like he has painted himself in glory with the backstory. as we come up to the present day with France playing Georgia in the 2007 yeah. Rugby World Cup. And the thing is, what I was wanting to say is like, obviously we joke around, you know, Boxie's being the best, but like he bloody pulls the strings here. He is unbelievable in He's this He's so good. This is like, here's the thing, right? Like Lionel Boxus has kind of become a joke and a beloved thing. I'm like, mm. I brought you right up to date on like Lionel, the early life of Lionel Boxus. But like beyond this World Cup, he goes on to become a kind of icon for the fact like he was incredibly promising young on and he had more than enough skill, but he spent most of it doing, you know, the YNL. and l he's a yo-yo. <laughs> he just pissed around. Like that's yeah. how he spent his rugby career. Clearly he got so bored of being like tearing it up at international level that he just decided to become a novelty act instead. It's just absolutely incredible. He was just a really, really beautiful player. And yeah, it was just an absolutely glorious thing. And there's a reason he's widely beloved the world over, particularly Mm. in France. And this is his second start at 10 for France. Uh, He would go on to play for France until 2018. (laughs) Well, like... (laughs) Where <laughs> They inexplicably recalled him and he was like both terrible, but brilliant in that very boxy way. He was slightly more terrible. I oh, can't yeah yeah, lie yeah, yeah yeah. But Lies like, you. he was that very boxy thing where he do absolutely unbelievably terrible things, but he'd somehow like get away with them. Yeah. Like, or him... the opposite. Like well, he'd do like yeah. brilliant things that uh, like you go like that takes phenomenal piece of skill, but that's dreadful yeah 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 well the things that come to mind from that is in throwing this insane pass behind the back against scotland yeah where on jeffrey his own police yes, on his own try line with like people rushing up in his face he blind chucks it out the back like cat flaps <laughs> it the jeffrey police of all men it's like this isn't you Lionel. somehow they get away with it and then against england france turned the ball over on their own try line instead of kicking it out because it's full time <laughs> he punts it long to johnny may who counter-attacked oh all yeah the scores.
1: I oh, was I watching that, that in a
0: pub and screamed. Oh, good old Yiann Good but, old L. Yeah, like So, like, Yeah playing for France, like, obviously he wins his first cap before we were watching rugby. His international career overlaps with the Squid Rugby channel existing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when I first started watching rugby... I eventually watched enough French club rugby that Lionel Buxis was a player who I knew was quite good. And then I saw highlights of the 2007 Rugby World Cup and was like, oh, okay, so I guess he used to be their fly half. Then Mm. assuming he was really old. And then when he just got occasionally recalled, like once every four years after that, I just found it increasingly hilarious. It's just an incredible thing. A couple of years after this, Mark Lievermont for It Is He... Would be name would name him the only fly half in their squad for a while and still <laughs> drop him. Like, oh. He's on his way back onto the podcast, Lievremont. It's a match made in heaven, Lionel Boxis and Mark Lievremont. It certainly is. It certainly is. Look, we're looking at the French team right now. Yes. And with I've got the French team in front of me, right? I'm just gonna run through some of it. So at ten, they name Lionel Boxis. Yes. Um, and also to, at fly half, they name, um, Lionel Boxis as well. Yes. And I think the most interesting selection is mm. in the standoff position where they name Leonel Boxis. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really fascinating the way the outside half is Leonel Boxis, considering mm. in the previous game, the, uh, outside half wasn't Leonel Boxis, but this time the outside half is Leonel Boxis. I yeah. think really, uh, it's an interesting call at Doctor Tactics to put Boxis in, but I think he really complements Boxis at 10. Yes, yes, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Uh, is that still on the French team? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, so yeah. like, look, it's a needlessly strong team, but also <laughs> it's kind of what the French team becomes after this World Cup. Sure. By sure. and large, you know, like, other than you probably swap Tron in for Boxis. You know, like, Dominici retires, but after this, like, Jojon becomes first choice after this World Cup. Yeah. Uh, Devin Marty hangs around, gets final game time after this World Cup. Aurelion Rougerie... No. Yeah, kind of moves yeah. in 13, but he's like an absolute fixture. He's kind of in and out a bit more in this World mm. Cup. Uh, Proacto becomes the first just fullback after this World Cup. JB Poo. And Nale are the starting... Yeah. 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 Jean-Baptiste Poo. Nyanga and Bonaire become fixtures after this World Cup. Betson is captain. Obviously, he drops out for Deuce to take exactly that mantle. Yeah, Sebastian Bruno, likewise. You know, Servat kind of con- carries on for longer than I think people were expecting. He goes on to the following World Cup. And likewise, Nicola Ma comes in off the bench. Yeah. Broadly, like... This is, you know, once Vincent Claire comes on, this is largely the French team that goes on to win a Grand Slam in 2010. Like it's, it's an awful a lot very there. fun team, isn't it? That they yeah, name. and it really they do live up to the billing. I think it's a great France team. They're so entertaining to watch. Yeah. However, I do think we need to talk more about one particular player on this team who we haven't really yeah? talked about. Okay. Uh, that is Lionel Boxes. Yeah, 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 okay, okay. We've we've talked about him a little bit, but yeah. Well, OK, so I just think I just want to run through a couple of boxies facts that we haven't mentioned, right? OK, okay. Marie Marais-Alice Yahi, You know her? Yeah. Scrum off, former captain of the French national women's team. OK, I actually didn't know who that was, but yeah. No? Yeah. She, yeah, captained them like 30 times. She was like a really big, like, figure in the growth of, Okay. you know, like, like an equivalent of like Catherine Spencer or something, you know, that kind of era. Yeah, sure. That's pretty for, sweet. You know, French rugby. Yeah, was like a big... Big, uh, big captain in like the first televised france women's games when the mm-hmm. like, crowds first started to grow to the point where you know by by the time i think england started really catching on um, in the last five years by mm-hmm. that point french rugby french women's rugby had already exploded she was a big part of that she was the captain for a lot of that era of like it's okay time to grow where it kind of is where like scotland and Ireland is at the minute you sure. know kind of starting to pick up so leonard Boxis was asked when he retired if he had any regrets from his career and he said he had one right which was at the 2007 Rugby World Cup, he found himself going out more than he would have thought. Before okay. he started playing professional rugby, he was apparently incredibly focused, never went out, never drank, never did anything. Then somewhere he met Matteo okay. Um, <laughs> okay, when he was at Stad. And apparently the two of them went out a lot. We and in not the 2007 World Cup, right, the combination of... Yeah, I mean he'd trip over when he was drunk and say it was actually policemen beat him up. Of course. Um what a cabbage. So over the two thousand seven World Cup, right? Boxes was so focused on the combination of playing rugby for France and drinking beer that he completely neglected his girlfriend and reportedly just like was just like wasn't speaking to her. Oh, that's which is shitty. like a really French thing. And he said like it's the biggest regret of his life is okay. how he treated her during this World Cup because he was so focused on playing in a World Cup and all of right. that. Right. Okay. And yeah, so she left him during this World Cup between mm-hmm. the pool stage and the quarterfinal, Shit. which is another interesting fact there. yeah. Oh, um, God, that's rough. Which it sounds like it was entirely his own fault. And you know what? Yeah, yeah, uh, of uh, he said It was something you really learned from, and he said it was the, yeah, biggest mistake of his life. However, right, it did mean that a year or two down the line, in about late 2008, Matteo Bastro brought him on another night out with members of the French women's national team. Okay, I wondered why you brought her up. Where Lionel and Marie-Alice Yahé would meet. Okay. So, after Lionel Boxiste being desperately sad for like a year after he was an idiot and he didn't treat his girlfriend properly, he meets Marie-Alice Yahé, and the two of them hit it off immediately. Oh, lucky woman. Lucky woman. They go on to get married, you know, like a year after they meet and they've been together ever since. Mate, imagine marrying, you know, fucking ball of move that is. I have, I have. Yeah, yeah. So they've been married for almost 15 years now and they were kind of like considered, you know, the first couple of French rugby, you know, it was like a really rare That's thing wholesome. to have that kind of... You know, like the, the the goodies, almost, of French rugby. Sure, sure. Um, I'm desperate for their kids to come through someday. They've got, like, halfback. There are a couple where they're halfbacks. You know, one was a scrum one was a fly half. That's incredible. Which must be rare as well. Yeah, that's legendary. The Ovali mask piece describes them as the second most beautiful couple in rugby after Maxime Mashner and Yon Uge. So, yeah, look, early feminist icon Leonardo Boxis after recovering from being an idiot when he was, like, 19. Yeah. Um look i just want to want to paint a picture of Lionel boxes because i think he's a wonderful wonderful uh rugby player yeah and he is. became a wonderful man if he wasn't initially yes um no he was then he got corrupted then he came through the other side you know because he's a good sure. guy he's yeah Yonel, and i think Yonel. there's another big part of it is like he is by all accounts like a really decent and quite boring man <laughs> yes <laughs> like, he looks it he look at his face he does not yeah. look like an interesting man he's got he looks a kind like of, a french fly half it's the same way Stephen myler became a cult hero in the uk yeah yeah, you know, of being like so bland, just being such a boring rugby player. Like he plays rugby, Stephen Myler. You know he plays fly off the most exciting, dynamic position on the field, the most important, like glory position, and he plays it like it's Friday and he's about to clock off and he can't he wait. to He Plays like home. a nine to five, honestly. Yeah, there was a point where he was asked in an interview if he has any nicknames, and he said Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's just your name. And he just has no-, no one calls him anything but Stephen. Whereas at least year now as the year now, you know. Yeah, people don't call him Stephen Myler. That's the thing. That's the nickname. Mm, They're calling him by his full name. It's true. Um, so let's look at the Georgia team, right? Let's whiz yes. through this. So Georgia, half of their team is changed. You know, like hmm. people who haven't had much of a run out yet in the World Cup, and half of it is people who are absolutely dead from the last few games. Yeah. So it this is is quite... Five days after the last, four days after the last game. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is quite disappointing because we don't really get Georgia bowing out in the way that they deserve from this World yeah. Cup. And like, to unfortunately preface it, 90% of the talking about th- this game we're going to do is going to be us talking about France and French players. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say this, right? Georgia have had a fantastic World Cup. The World Cup where they really announced themselves. Yeah, I think they're superb throughout. You know, they they give Argentina a more difficult game than you'd expect. Then obviously the Ireland game is very famous, but they really pushed them. They could have, they yeah. should have won that game. Incredible! Just like one of the great underdog performances in the World Cup where they yeah. were such outsiders and they hold Ireland to four points in the end yeah. and believe them after yeah. an hour. Just amazing. And then obviously they have the phenomenal 30-0 win over Namibia, which yeah, that was they the were target coming really into this, yeah. was to win that game. And they figured it would be by a low margin, has them going for goal constantly. Sure. And they just pull away and they'd like, they have an unbelievable day and you've got their fans in the stands can't believe what they're seeing that they're winning a game at the World Cup and it's mm. such style, right? And then four days later, they've got to go out and play the home nation, France. And look, there's an element, as you say, of them playing the kids. There's an element of them being knackered. There's an element of them possibly being hung over. Yes. Georgia in this game, are rubbish. Yeah, they're rubbish. They're, <laughs> like, they're terrible. It. They're nothing. They're nothing. Yeah. It's like watching... The, my thought during this is it is a bit like what hammering in 1987 was like, yeah. where you only really see one team in it. And the tries they're scoring aren't because they've done anything particularly inspired, but just because their skills are better. You know? Yeah. I don't think there's that much to say about this game in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, which means we'll keep this episode for like three hours. Yes. Um, but the Georgia team, right, we'll talk about that. So... The back line is mainly players that they're maintaining from past games, so you're looking at Irakli Abusridse maintaining captains, mm. Markira Kashvili at ten, Urji Kashvili moving on to the wing, having played previously at fullback and center, Gigauri, having played at fullback, moves into the center. There is a lot of moving about here with Otar Bakalaya coming in at fullback mm. it's still a decent team, like there's a yeah. lot of good players in there, yeah, Bakalaya is probably the least celebrated player in that back line. Yes. Um so so who is coming in here. I'm not um, familiar with Besso Kamshiridze, the left winger, but yeah. No, me neither actually, no, that's fair. No, he's probably less so than Bakalaya. But yeah, there's a lot of players who have really solid career you know, the Yuji Kashvili's the Giagadze, the uh yes. particularly Mao Kavirukashvili and Giogadze um, who was brilliant against Namibia. Absuritse as well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like there's some you know players that have had really good careers for Georgia, both in that era of them first coming up and first getting into the World Cup, in you know, the likes of Abzuridze, and then the players like Kamer Kavorukashvili who go on to be part of the push towards them yes. becoming the team they are now. A yeah. big like transitional player. Uh Godze rolled his ankle in training just before this game, so pulled out the day beforehand. It's unfortunate. say uh not say sorry, uh Lobidze, the mm-hmm. number eight. Both big losses, I think, both would have played in this game. But it does give a few players, you know, so Victor Dibas budze gets a chance to come in the second row. And there's a few players like that who don't get many chances. And like Mm. the other thing about Victor Dibas budze who, right, he was part of the very first Georgian squad. Okay. In 1991. That's insane. 1991. That's Alan Wynne-Jones' length of career. Yeah. So Georgia declares independence on the 9th of April, 1991, right? What a player he had to be at that point to maintain that through to the professional era. So he wins his first cap for Georgia in November, 1991. Wow! Georgia had been a country for six months and yet he he carries all the way through to here. That's incredible. So like you kind of, feel like he played in 2003 World Cup as well. But you kind of feel like he's due a start in this World Cup. Yeah, you know? damn right. For the right. sheer effort. Like, you talk about servants playing in their first ever game and then carrying on and playing in two World Cups. I doubt, I doubt there's anyone that's ever done that, you know? You know, he'd have been growing up saying like, oh, if we ever become a country, I'd love to play for us. Yeah. So he was the 36th man to ever play for Georgia. He played wild in their third ever game. (laughs) What? Their third ever game. He started when his first cap against Ukraine on November twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. That's incredible! What a guy! What a player! Yep. Like, and he went on. You know, so like the player from that era who had the next longest career was Poliko Jimziadze, who also goes to this World Cup but doesn't play that much. He was the first choice in two thousand and three. Then kind of drops out by two thousand seven. Okay. He's you know not around that much here. But he won his first cap in nineteen ninety five, which is still a hell of a career. You know, twelve. Oh years. yeah, oh for sure. And to have been playing when your country's only been around for four years. Yeah, but the, right. Just like the the sheer act, you know, of like our country's existed for a couple of months. Yeah, like at that That's, point, he's essentially a, a ringer for like a second team or a third team you know when people are really st- full stretch yeah. and like the other fun thing is georgia played an unofficial test match before they declared independence just as a kind of like breakaway we said rugby was always in their blood wasn't it but yeah it's just like it's a hell of an effort like he is and he deserves to be viewed as an utter utter legend i'm so glad that, that you dug that up day. for this podcast yeah. and uh, we'll he, come back to him another time yeah he comes off at halftime and you know what? You can't be fairer than that. Yeah, absolutely. Like he put Give him a token in. cap. Yeah. So he's gone oh, at to this another point. World he's thirty six. You know, like he's knackered. Can you blame him? Absolutely not. That's brilliant. Managed to carve out a bit of a career in the pro day dirt as well. Played for Arsie Massey. One of the ticked all the boxes for also Georgians now dream of. Also played for Tarbs in the pro day. Oh yes, or the Nationale at the time. Yeah, he was very much kind of set the template. He was one of the first professional Georgian rugby players and he went on to kind of build that up and keep that going until this era where he's playing with bloody good Godzane, he's playing with Mareb Kavurakashvili, players that go on to change what Georgian rugby is and how it's viewed forever. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. all rugby don't ruin it, of course. Of course, of course. That's, that's yeah. incredible. What a guy. So, we then get to the anthem. hmm And here's the thing, right? We heard the French anthem being sampled at the start by Bootyful. Indeed. They, they go almost one further during the French anthem here. Were you paying attention to this? W- what about it? They have interpretive dancers. Oh, my God, yes, the yes. yes, anthem. Yes, sorry, they do. I completely forgot about this. Yes. So, it's for sign language interpretation. Really? Yes. That's it. Yeah. But they just go over the top. That is insane. I mean, also, it's great. More it's people incredible. should be doing this. Everyone should be doing this, in fact. Why yeah. isn't everyone doing that? Like, why don't you have sign language interpretation for the anthem? It was incredible. I loved it. it what, me too. Me too. I thought it was just interpreted dance, and I loved it. Yeah. But it's an but, accessibility thing as well. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's two birds of one stone. It's both entertainment and it's doing a service. That's phenomenal. Everyone yeah. should be doing this. Bring that back. Bring back bootyful and bring back interpretive dance for Look, sign language. If France don't do that the, the balls in their sign court, language you know. Interpretive dance. Yeah. But yeah. Like they're hosting a World Cup in a month, bro. Just just do for this one for game, every anthem. Yeah, even just for one game, just do it. I want to see it. So it'll be it memorable. Yeah, I will learn Land of My Fathers in sign language dance version. Exactly, dance exactly. It's like how at Glastonbury every year they do the flash mob dance where the security will dance along to one song, Yeah, typically with a legend slot. Uh, like, they need to do that and just go, right, okay, this is the dance that we're going to do on Saturday when France play against Georgia. Just join in in the crowd if you want to. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Bring that back, do more of that. Right, we then get to the kickoff and there's something else we should ki- we should. We should bring bring back, which, which is well. Even before we bring go into the kickoff, have you seen the other thing that happens in the period of the anthem? Which is well, 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 well. Chicken on the pitch. Chicken on the pitch. How do I miss the chicken on the pitch? Chicken on the sideline. Chicken, chicken on the sideline. The sideline. There's. Someone in the front row in the crowd who has a chicken that they're holding up and they're just showing them to the interpretive dancers and going, Look, we've got a chicken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain didn't even register that that was interesting. It was like, oh yeah, they've just got chicken, it's France. Chicken isn't it? on the pitch. Chicken on the pitch. And we saw this in the nineteen eighty seven Rugby World Cup final. Yes, we did. This is disappointingly the first time we've seen it in the two thousand seven tournament. How? However, I'm glad because like twenty eleven Fucking shit tournament, shit World Cup, didn't have a single animal What was the pitch. No, there was. There was the French fan that got banned for trying to smuggle a chicken into the ground. Yeah, exactly. They took preventative measures to stop people from bringing animals into the ground and onto the pitch. And look, people who are listening, if you're going to the Rugby World Cup, please get a dog on the field like please i put our tweet up at us the other week because i really want a dog to get on the pitch so it's in the law yeah we've got to do this happens. because this is the we... weird thing right of like we've got this world cup coming up that one day we'll be covering in the law of this podcast exactly. and talking about in past tense in the way that we talk about these games as like artifacts yeah exactly exactly like let's face it right none of these games that we do these podcasts on none of them actually happened did they no, 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 no. <laughs> none Look, of them are the real. Only, the only one that happened was France USA in 87. That's true. That's true. But like, none of them are real. They're just like, they've just been AI generated for um, for YouTube so we can cover them in podcast form. But these ones are going to be real. And we we'll, one day we'll talk about them. And we can make an impact on that. And if I want there to be an impact, I just think we need more dogs on the pitch. And like, there's something different, right, before we're doing this podcast, of the... 2015 and 2019 World Cups. Where I went to games in both, and you went to games mm. in 2015. Right, those games I didn't know we'd be covering on the podcast retrospectively one day. Exactly. Like this is going to be the first men's World Cup in the with the existence of po- the podcast. But you know? like, so if I threw a paper airplane onto the pitch, which I've seen happen in you know other sports and other yeah programs, yeah, that would come up in the podcast in how many a years time. Exactly. We which need now make makes me want to do happen, it, man. But dogs. Dogs is the most important thing. Dogs on the pitch. We need a dog, and we need it on the pitch. And we need it as soon as possible. Yes. So, you know, good listeners of this podcast, get to work, please. But for the time being, chicken on the pitch. Chicken on the gosh darned pitch. And look, we always name these animals. I think there's only one thing that we can name this chicken. Oh, of course. Well, no, there's two options, right? Do we name him Lionel or Ye and L? I think he has to be Ye and L. He's Ye and L. and L the chicken, chicken. On the sideline. What a performance he puts in. Yee and L. Le Coq. Oui. So you mentioned something about the kickoff. I did indeed. So yeah, three things we need to bring back. Uh, interpretive dance for sign language interpretation. Lionel, boxies and chickens. Um, yes. Because the kickoff uh happened and Lionel Boxis it's just so here's the thing right if we were to talk about this game just like straight up in order and just run through it as we do on like big games where we run through this on this podcast right it would pretty much be Lionel Boxes knows a beautiful touch finder george's hmm. line out slash attack is terrible and yeah. then france scores some beautiful carving try usually through jojian yes and rinse and repeat yes like <laughs> it's a very repetitive game L gets his first penalty and I'm obsessing over him thinking that's the only good thing he's going to do in the game. Yep. And for and every time something added to it, it just it just just felt even better. He put in like a mega clearance afterwards. He was putting in some huge kicks early on. It was brilliant. Yeah. Well, and, then, then, and his penalty early on is really difficult. Like he drills yeah. it, you know, he's on, on the five. Glorious, beautiful are the words I've got written in my notes because uh, I need to remember them when thinking about the boxes, yeah, boxes. He has three just, like, lovely penalties in the first half. He does. So one after four minutes, one after 18 minutes, and it really builds the scoreline, I think. It kind of gets France out to quite a commanding lead. Certainly, certainly. Like, there was a point where I wrote down, wait, 30 nil. Yeah, when you realise, like, how have they got that far up? Because they just scored their third try. Like, They weren't looking at a bonus point yet. And you're like, wait, they're 13 yeah. nil up? But yeah, it's the bloody magic of Ye and L kicking penalties. And he is calling for it, right? And by the time you get into the third penalty, the French crowd are booing him for going for it. And I think that gets to Betson, who's captain, and he stops going sure. for them. But I wish they just kept going and every penalty they kicked for the gold. That would have been and hilarious. everything else, they just kept going because they're just carving Georgia up so effortlessly. from about- yeah. like. So we get to, like, in the first 10 minutes, they managed to score one try, which is off a line out from a penalty in their own half. Boxes absolutely drills it straight into the opposition half. And off a line out, they run this really lovely move, which is give it to Leonel, who will then throw it 20 metres behind Josion. Who's running this like lovely arced line? He'll somehow sprint on it perfectly, and the Georgian defence will go, "Why did you know, just pass that ball?" And Joseon just carves it up; it's he a proper right through piss take by Joseon, isn't it? It is. The little step he does on the outside is so just like it's like when you're playing against a five year old in touch, but it's like you're playing against like your five year old little cousin who yeah. you want to like take the piss out of, like jokingly. See, I was thinking the other way; it's like when you're playing touch against someone who's genuinely good. And you're like, "Oh, this is why I could never be like a reasonable standard rugby player when you're like oh this is this guy is so far above my level of ability, or this woman in you know a couple of cases like." Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. That says a lot about both of us. A that I'm a dickhead who would happily step a 5-year-old and B Indeed. that you get stepped a lot by 5-year-olds. All um, five- or good all good look, rugby players. Look, not by 5-year-olds. Generally, generally I smash 5-year-olds. Yeah, that's true. I take them on physically and I annihilate them. Let them know you're there, you know. Once they get to 8, then they start to step me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Joshian just goes most of the rest of the way, draws and passes. Puts Poitrano away, first try, nice and easy. Yeah, just lovely, just vintage, vintage France of that era and the era just afterwards. Yes, yes. Gigori goes for a really chaotic intercept, which is really funny. Where he flies in from miles away, kills an overlap, slaps the ball like really far, like ten meters into the distance. Looks up and goes like, wait a minute. I've got I've got some power on that. And then she goes and fetches the ball, so it's not a deliberate yeah. knock-on. It's really satisfying when he eventually catches it, because it was not at all what it was intending to do. Oh, absolutely not. Absaridze also managed to hand off Serge Betson successfully. Yes, he sits him down. Yeah. Which, look, look, you may be giving me some Georgian names if you're listening at home. Erika Absaridze is the Georgian scrum half. Yeah. He is the he's the tallest player by some distance. Yeah. He's just like, look, Georgia was not the older country. They only had like four men under six foot five. So like, you know, he was just the smallest man they'd ever had in Georgia. He was five foot eight, still taller than me. But yeah, he absolutely sits down, Serge Betson. It's brilliant. Yeah, off a quick tap. And Serge Betson just kind of has a look on his face. He's like, oh, that's not meant to happen. And yeah, like Betson looks not even pissed off. Just surprised. Just lightly surprised. Yeah, yeah. I then have in my notes, okay, but Boxis is actually pulling the strings. Right. Yeah, I have a little drawing of some strings being pulled by Leonardo Boxis. Oh, very nice. Great attention to detail that. David really makes a try saving tackle on David Marty, which is incredible. She's yeah. a tight prop getting across on an outside centre who's genuinely very fast. So that's a really good point for Georgia. Yeah. At one point, the referee, Alan Lewis, says the clock is perfect. I've got no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> um, just sounds like some like villain Doctor Who shit. It sounds like something Antoine Dupont would tweet. Yes, it does. The clock is perfect. And it's him looking at Big Ben before they play England. Yeah, exactly. He, it'd probably be him from inside Big Ben. Because no, he always right, pulls yeah. on jammy shit like that by being like the best rugby player in the world. God, he's so weird. I love him. Never stop Antoine. Julian Bonaire puts in a beautiful spiral kick from the backfield. Yes, he does. <laughs> Very confusing moment, that. Look, um, speaking of beautiful spiral kicks, we've kind of thumbed over how much Leonardo Boxer is just like drilling it. He's pulling the strings, man. I know it's constantly like he is taking the ball and he is just like wellying it from like the halfway line of the twenty-two. At one point, they pass back into the twenty-two from like halfway, and Boxer is sat <laughs> so deep in the pocket, but he just like because he's in the twenty-two and he could do this at the time, he just boots it straight out on the full into the opposition twenty-two <laughs> and get the line out there, which is like. It would be a fifty twenty-two, except it wouldn't, because the ball has to bounce first. <laughs> and You just put it out on the full in the from twenty-two to twenty-two. It's very bizarre, but yeah, I'm so here for it. Marek really misses a penalty, which is really disappointing. And the Georgian co- mm. coach already has like his hands covering his eyes. Yeah, um, he's almost rage crying. Yeah, just from a missed penalty, and you wish you could just lend them, you know, for a ten-minute yeah. spell. I'm sure he'd do perfectly hey, well. You've got Marco Casavelli, who is perfect. We all know that. Yes, that is true. That is true. Pierre Mignoni gets subbed off because he got, makes a little break, puts in a grubber, and his hamstring just goes straight away. And somebody comes on yeah. from the sideline to put a hairdryer on it, which is very confusing. The hairdryer treatment. Yeah, exactly. Leonardo Boxiste just like fully, like, dick out, nails a 55 meter penalty completely May. needlessly. What a guy. What a <laughs> hero. So unnecessary. And that is the moment the French crowd starts to boo him. But yeah. also, they love it. The moment it goes over, they're like losing their shit in celebration. Yeah. But the moment he goes for it, they're like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to us, De France. We. Oui. I then have written down hello Dominici. Can't remember why I wrote that down. But Christoph Dominici is vintage in this game. I really enjoy his contribution. Every single time he gets the ball, he does not accept doing a sensible option. Yeah, Christoph Dominici is playing like someone who's forgotten how to enjoy himself, trying to enjoy himself. (laughs) Yes, that is the vibe. You know, it's like when you're really frustrated and like, focus on something and you're like no but i've got to play mario kart for an hour in order to calm myself down yeah you're like stupidly competitive and you're trying to have fun but you just can't he's really trying to have fun every single thing he does and most of the time it works yeah yeah no he is a lot of fun to watch at least Mm. yeah but he does a lot of like like he'll go for like Six in and out side steps and accidentally run into someone, but it's like sheer force of will in the moment. We just carry him through the tackle anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like he beats a lot of defenders, not in the way he's intending to. Yeah. And, you know, it's just great in determination in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do then get to France's second try. Yes. To George's credit, like they hang on for like only giving away penalties mm-hmm. for about half an hour. And then once the dam bursts on that half hour, it goes. Well, you mentioned giving away penalties and there's one that is very crucial to this try being scored mm. as they just go for like hands in the rock or something, whatever. And Elisard in his usual way takes a quick tap. He bloody loved a quick tap here and, he and does. generally does. However, as soon as he goes on his little venture from the quick tap, the Georgian loose head, Mamuka Magrika just sticks his leg out and trips him up. And it is extremely daft. It's cynical as anything. It's daft. Um, and he goes to the it's bin. It's silly. Yeah. Will Greenwood and Combs has a moment of going, oh, should that be a red card when he's given a yellow? And then clearly is like, no, it shouldn't. Be. You know, yeah. it is incredibly blatant. It's incredibly stupid. You kind of wish there was like a 15-minute sim bin instead of a 10-minute sim bin. Yeah, 20-minute red cards. Get him back. Bloody the wokes trying to get people sent off for head contact. Uh, do you want to know a fact about Michael Kvince? Go on. Do you know where he was playing at the time? Uh, Tob. Tob. Yes. Tob, The connection continues. Oh, mate. All the best people. That's where it's at. Is where it's yep. at. Especially um, if you're going to get yellow carded. He won his first cup in 1998. This was his last game for Georgia. Okay, fair enough. Well, he went out on the bang. Again, Absolutely. it's much like we were saying about the Samoan hooker. Sefer was his name. Yes. Where, it, you know, we're talking <laughs> about him. Yeah. His only involvement in rugby was getting simbid. Yeah. He was on the pitch for one minute, got himself sent off. Exactly. That is exactly. Hero yeah. And he, he, like we're talking about him now. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's immediately worth it. But as you say, France go to the corner and mm-hmm. they form a mall. And as you say, there is not much longer George can hold on. No. Here. The entire Georgian pack piles in. And I think because they're a man down, the hooker does as well, who doesn't stand on the short side. And Without without Giogadze on that short side, with him in the mall, it's very, very simple for Yannick Leander to break off and just run down the short side and Yeah, he and jogs that in, puts it yeah. down one handed so nonchalantly. It's like the easiest mall trail you'll ever see, because they are so committed on defending the mall and stopping it when it starts to get a bit of a rumble on that they just yeah. leave the rest of the field open around it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty straightforward. So they go up to twenty-three nil, which you kind of don't realise, as I say, how quickly they're building up a score. Yeah. When Elisard comes onto this pitch, he chooses chaos straight away. He clearly oh, yeah. did not like the way that Pierre Mignoni play- played that first 15 minutes. It's like, no, you're being way too sensible. You have to take way more quick taps. And he throws this insane reverse pass, uh, when he oh, gets the God. ball under Instantly, a tiny yeah. bit of pressure on the line out. And she goes, fine, i throw a reverse pass, which no one asked for. And it goes like two thirds of the way across the pitch. It's incredible. <laughs> The key word, I think, that you just used, though, of everything Elisad did on the pitch was no one asked for this. Yes! <laughs> and like, he's got this air of just like, you're making me do this. And you're like, no, no one needed you to do that chip kick, Elisad. Yeah. Just up up, please, let it go. We didn't need this. We didn't ask for this. He's showing off so much. It's brilliant. But he's got this air about him of like he doesn't want to be playing in this stupid no, game. No. He's like, where am I playing? It's Le George. No. He definitely is carrying himself like I'm way above this. Like, yeah. we're not even playing at Stade de France. I'm it's like I'm the first player first team player playing in the third team. He is making business decisions with the ball in hand. <laughs> but like yes. he's not not in the sense he's avoiding contact. In the decision that like he's like, fine, I will do the chip gig. Rather than like I'll I would do the serious option. You know, I'll yeah. just do something silly. He's pure pissing about, it's great. He really is. I have written down YNL and Flex's cross kick brackets doesn't work. Yeah, but it's worth it. It's a quite the effort. It is yes. pretty close. But uh Poitrono also name was an unbelievable fifty twenty two. Oh mate, so twenty two twenty two. Yeah. This is the start of I think Clement Poitrineau. Starting to evolve into a reliable player this game. Yeah. He's still batshit and he's still doing mental things. And like, I think we talked in a previous episode, like, the thing that goes through my head watching Clement Patrono this era is, oh, there are people watching what Ramos is becoming now and what Ramos will probably be in a couple of years' time. and just going to see him as like an entirely class fullback. Yeah, Because we were kids it. of an age where Clement Patroneau was always just like a really sensible, reliable fullback who was really, really good for France, one of the best in the world. I can't remember if I mentioned this in the podcast before, but someone got in touch with me to say Clement Patroneau is coaching Ramos at Toulouse. He's one of the back which coaches over yeah, there, is, which yeah. totally adds up. Of, as to it, how Ramos yeah. ended up the player I remember when they played Wasp a couple of years ago, they brought up that moment. Yeah, oh, I can't remember. He said something really funny. That's a great anecdote. I've forgotten it now. Cool. No, but the point is, right, people will forget that Ramos was once utterly mental and unreliable. Yes. And just as we did not realise that Coman Patrono was such. And look, here is like the transition period beginning after he was so unreliable in the previous games. Yes. And he's slightly more so now, but not much. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. However... We, speaking of batshitness. ness oh, and Clement Poitronaut, and Clement Poitronaut reach the final try of the first half. And this is so aesthetically pleasing in it's some ways. Yeah. So there's a passage right before this where, and I think inspired by Elisard coming on, he's just taking a quick tap. And France do like nine offloads in a row and they make 30 metres. Then one of the Georgians, I think it is Barakalea comes in and makes a huge shot on someone and suddenly France continue offloading, but now each one's taken them further backwards (laughs) and they then lose 20 of the 30 meters they just made. And they end up basically back exactly where they started, but like five meters in front. Um, And it's very funny from like, there's a moment where it looked like completely open and definitely in score. I think Um, what makes this such a great and enjoyable game is France, not only win 64-7, but about 50% of the shit they did was completely pointless. Yeah, exactly. But then there's a moment after that where like they end up with a line out. And they're like, you know what we just did there? Should we just like, try the normal pass instead of offloads? <laughs> and they spin this ball right out wide and they are floundering Georgia for numbers. They are lacking left, right and centre. Yes. So it's Rougerie who steps in at 10 and mm. flings the long ball out wide. And you look at this and you go, okay, I see what's on here. It's Christoph Dominici in his complete fun <laughs> mode. And Dominici really like forces an offload, but not in the mm. bad way. He runs yeah. into the contact, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a good offload in here. And he just manifests it, I think. As he did with most things. You know, yes. Dominici mostly manifests things into being. Sure, He gets sure. It out wide. Uh, Betson has a lovely little touch where he manages to time it, give it to Poitronneau, who starts to pin his ears back and head right for the corner. Yes. And in true Clément Poitronneau in this group stage fashion, Clément Poitronneau just does not fancy scoring this whatsoever. He's already got one. He might as well share the love. Yeah. So as he's heading for the corner and the Georgian defence is... Following over to try and keep him in the corner, you know, stop him going on whatever because he's clearly scoring. Like there's no way they're preventing him getting him out in the corner, out over the line. He just flicks it back inside to Lionel Boxie's running the switch for no reason whatsoever. It's brilliant, especially because Lionel's on the wing for some reason.
1: Who yeah, knows what's why is he there?
0: there? I have no idea. But you know what? Fair play. It means Lionel you know, Bo- Boxie has scored a try to add to his total of just incredible shit he's been doing. This the was his first try for France. Hmm. I don't imagine you got many. It was yeah, the first of um many, I think you find actually. Okay. Oh, never mind then. I've just been done. Yeah, I can't tell you for certain whether it was his only try or not. But fair it enough. was his first try. And yeah. that is good enough for me. Yeah, fair enough. And that does bring up half time at that stage. And that's when you go, wait, 30 nil? What's what's going on here? But you know what? France are good for that lead. They've broken Georgia down and kind of crushed them. Yeah, was only try for oh, man. you get a real sense that Georgia's spirit is starting to fade away as that half goes mm. on. Yeah, yeah. I love that, you know, Boxes' only try for France, which is gifted to him by Clement Poitron. Yeah, he shouldn't have scored a hit. Yeah, that's hilarious. Love it. But yes, second half starts. And who... Should start the second half with a bang, but our boy once again, you know, he's everywhere, man. He's everywhere. He's here. He's there. He's every mid where. Yes, I couldn't um, think of another French swear. I yeah, mean, it's close enough. Good, it? yeah. Close enough. But he finds us in the backfield, makes this really sharp break on a kick return, yeah. feeds Yannick Nyonga in the on his inside, and France on the front foot. Instead of scoring a try because they can do what they want at this point, go for a little grubber to the corner. I think it shows puts the grubber in. It is it forces Davit Zerokashvili to carry the ball into his own, own in goal. Not a very well practiced winger slash fullback is Zerokashvili. And he lot positive of, go- of goes at it in this game. Yeah, he's he makes, he's sort of playing as an extra fullback. Yeah, because there's another try-saving tackle that he made, which I can't remember yeah. who it was on, but we've not mentioned. Like he is, he is just playing as a back three player. He's clearly phoning it in at this point. He knows that this is a pure vibes game. He's not going to yeah. get judged for this. There's another interesting thing around the time of that kick, which is the commentators start discussing the fact that we're looking at a likely now France basically wrap this game up. France be New Zealand quarter final, which we played in Cardiff. The only quarter final that's not taking place in France will be the one involving France. And they say there's a real chance of France going out, the home nation going out, not on the home turf. Yes. And they also say the really interesting thing is there will be a coin flip for that game as to who wears which jersey, as to who wears their away kit, who wears their home kit, which is a really interesting thing that you don't think about. Like, oh, that was a conversation at the time because obviously yeah. one of the iconic images of this World Cup, never mind of that quarterfinal to come, is the All Blacks being in their grey kit yeah. and that throwing things off and them being all like, we don't want to be wearing the grey kit, we're bad, and. No, you got away, Grey Kit. You were uh, losers. And that whole, you know, hashtag mind games that goes on there. So it's all kind of a... It's an interesting state. thing. It's an interesting for that. Yeah. It? It's an interesting kind of moment in rugby history where that was being asked. You know, people <coughs> basically knew that game was going to happen. They didn't mm. know the circumstances of it. But of course, I assumed not assume that France is now going out. Yeah. It's, yeah, very interesting, as you say, as a moment in history to see... Like there was a point where People didn't know that was gonna happen. Like it seemed unlikely. And people yeah. were very much clinging on to the hope of France getting to a semi-final. Yeah. Bizarre. From the resulting scrum five, or maybe a couple of phases after that, whatever. Yanel puts in a crossfield kick to yes! Christophe Dominici on the far side who goes for the most showboaty finish that you could possibly imagine. It's great, because he completely ignores Clément his inside, because Poitronin's clearly said to score should. it yourself. Like, I don't yeah. want to score another one. Like, go yourself. And he goes full for the step Gillies inside. Kaka. Yes, full Gillies Kaka, which is a reference that we've brought up before, but for people who have forgotten it, which is everyone, in the 2016 Rio Olympics, Gillies Kaka playing for New Zealand just refused to score a try because it yeah. didn't count towards his world well, seven series tries. So every time he got over the line, he passed it and it was really annoying. Like those points, which it happened was to the detriment and he passed it further away from the posts and he was the kicker. Yeah. Or like they would waste time because he, you know, he needed to get a couple of tries in and he would waste time just, you know, handing it off, waiting for someone else to get near him. Yeah. Refused to score the entire tournament. No idea if that was because it, you know, worked up his tally. Yeah. I don't and really I don't... know, but, but he was just doing it. It was just a weird, weird character. But so, Dominici takes that try well. Dominici takes that try well. Very soon after, Sebastian Bruno gets a try from that mall. Yeah, I had Sebastian it in my Bruno. Head. By the way, underrated player, like at French, kind of club level. Eventually, went on to be part of the Toulon, yes. kind of Galactico Wilkinson era and yeah, Co, at the end of his Havana, Guito, and he was a really good Boater. kind of cog in that team. You know, he was. He was. He was one of the few players who was French. You know. And She's wasn't bored. like, yes, exactly. It's kind of those two were the ones who weren't stars in that team. Yeah. And yet really like rose up to that point, so, particularly yeah. Bruno. Very good player. Well, Great to see him here. So he was at Sail Sharks at the time. Oh, was he? Um, during that era where Sail Sharks had him and they had Cabal. Uh, and you had Betson playing in Wasps as well. And it hmm. was far more kind of cross-pollination. The top 14 wasn't the yeah, deal and end-all as it is now. Yeah. Um, So yeah, he was at sale. He then went back to two line two thousand and nine when they he was one of the first of that Galacticos era. You know that was when Jerry Collins was there for a year, and before Wilkinson signed, he was there before him. Uh, He was one of the first players in that project, one of the first players kind of drafted back. Was briefly scrum coach for France during the 2019 World oh, Cup. Oh, okay. has gone back to Lyon now as scrum coach. Then again, he um, wasn't scrum coach for France during the 2019 World true, Cup. That's true. That's true. That's true. There was a dog on the pitch that was as well. But yeah, a weird career. And he wins most of his caps before he plays most of rugby. Yeah. Like, wins his first cap in 2002, wins his last cap in 2008 under Lee Vermont. Yeah. And then goes on to play, you know, another like 30 games for sale beyond that. And then a hundred plus game for Toulon. Yeah. Which is his longest run at a club. Like he a had 50 your games at Bézier and then, mm. you know, went to sale. And has been most of his career at Toulon. Like more of his career. That's say excellent club level club. player. Yeah. So I've got time for him. Uh, but yeah, good to see him getting the score sheet here. As you say, just the more, he kind of broke off at the correct time. We're not the right people to analyse this, but well done, Sebastian Bruno. Yeah. Also, that's particularly notable because at the start of the second half, for the first like 10, 15 minutes of it, no one can retain their own line out. Oh, yeah. I mean, George's line out is a shambles the entire day. Right. And it sorts out a bit in the second half. But But it starts in Francis. Yeah. But that's it. Like, the line out sorts out, but like in the wrong direction. It's like a a monkey paw wish. they are like, we want to be winning line outs and they can only win Francis suddenly. George do at one point, though, run the move off line out. You know, the move. They do. They run the move, the rugby f 4 move. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know, throw it to the lock, throw it back to the hooker. Clearly because it was their only way they could retain the This ball. is the thing, right? The so barrel. we need dogs on the pitch to come back. We need Lionel Boxes to come back. We need sign language interpretation for the anthems to come back. Yes. We need chickens by the pitch to come back. Yes. And we need the move from Rugby 4 to come back. Indeed. What Indeed. I want to happen in this World Cup is it's a semi-final, right? Wales have won all of their games free nil. It's been <laughs> awful to watch, but I've loved it because Warren yep. Ball. It's the semi final, right? Wales against France. hmm And there are two minutes to go. For the first time, Wales have had points scored against them. It's free all. Because France called up Yannick L inexplicably. Yes. Wales are on the twenty two meter line. They throw into the line out. Everyone is thinking they're gonna set it for a drop goal, they're gonna try and squeeze a penalty out of them mall or something. You know, they know what's happening. Or even they... a little rap move back in field, you know? Yeah, exactly. Wales throw up to the front jumper, Hugh Sutton, the only second row <laughs> left standing in Wales at this point. He catches. And right as France preparing to set to defend the mall, Hugh Sutton throws it back down to the hooker, Steve Jones, out of retirement. <laughs> Because he's the face of this move. Yeah. Warren Gatlin thought it's only fair that if we're gonna do this move, we might as well call somebody up from Rugby O four. Yeah. Keith Ward is isn't Jones. qualified. How old is Steve Jones the Hooker? Not Steve Jones the T V presenter, Steve no. Jones the Hooker, who probably was age. Caps for Wales. Last one in two thousand and five. Played for the Dragons for a long time though. He's a great almost played almost two hundred games for the Dragons. Great. great player. Why are we talking about player. him on this um, podcast? But yeah, so, so how old is he? Uh he's forty six. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, younger than Ken Owens then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he'd fit in really well with the age profile of the PVAC squad. Yeah. Um, he takes it at the front and he bulldozes over Antoine Dupont, the only defender. Untamak comes across and tries to make a business decision ahead of the World Cup finals playing in next week. Then he remembers if Steve Jones scores this try, he's not going to be in a World Cup final. Jones bowls him over, scores from the rugby a four move, and the developers are so elated that they greenlight a new game and EA start making annual rugby games. They put more money into than FIFA, and therefore the EA Sports Football Club, as it is now. And so rugby starts to grow and grow and grow across the globe. Rugby explodes. Chile go on to win three World Cups. The USA start to be good because they've now got a video game to play. All gamers take up rugby as a sport, um, and rugby now becomes bigger than uh, Splatoon, and therefore Japan are even better at it. Because Splatoon is absolutely massive in Japan, and Boxeez marries the girl. I, he already has, mate. Exactly. He'd been married for like fifteen years. Exactly. We already had a happy ending there. Exactly. That's what I want to happen in this World Cup. Is to get thing. married again? Yeah. To the uh, same woman. Yeah. I want. Yeah. I want you know Boxies and his wife to appear at every game and do like a little, like little wave, like the Queen does. You know when she pops up. Yeah. Not quite Jack and Maria levels, but no, no. Well, you know, like when Princess Anne comes out and shakes hands with at Murrayfield. Yeah. I want they the should do East that. Boxes. Boxes yeah. and Yare should do that before every single game in the World now, Cup. Look, why have they not left us in charge of the Rugby World Cup planning? Because between that and dogs on the pitch, we've got this sorted. I think so. I don't think you need anything else. No, you no. Know, I don't think you need like stadiums to play the games in. Nah, who cares? Just about that? Just go down the park. You get more dogs. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. So um, I'm going to just quickly yeah. mention something so last year right in may we went to go and see half man half biscuit perform at I rock city in nottingham and we both caught covid i think at that gig yeah but yeah we went to see half man half biscuit and there were a lot of fun you know they were exactly what you expect Ooh. of half man half biscuit right but possibly the highlight of the entire gig for me was not Joy Division Oven Gloves, and was not them singing the line Ground Control to Monty Don, which is probably my (laughs) favourite opening lyric in any song in history. But it was, in fact, that they went off for the encore, like an ironic encore, which is a rare thing. They went off for the encore, and then they came back on, and instead of playing any songs, they just started talking about both Nottingham Forest and Notts County players from years gone by. And going like, Oh, Robert Earnshaw, what a great striker he yeah. was. <laughs> and talking to each other and bring up some Knotts County player from like the 1980s and going like, Oh, John Harris though. He was a great yeah. player. He was really solid in defense. And they just went on a conversation like that. And it was Obviously so completely one sided yes he wasn't talking to anyone in the audience it was just a monologue about players from nottingham that he remembered yeah yeah and he putting was putting too much energy into this as well it was very casual it was very throwaway it was like oh bob jones good player yeah 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 and it was really, really what was the funny? name and... of that striker you had back in like <laughs> yeah, 84. yeah he was asking members of the audience you know and he, he was saying, like, oh, and you know, we we, di- we are looking out for both forest and county. You know, we're not taking sides here. You know, it was great. It was, it was great. Really, really funny. The, and... His K- little ramblings were much more fun than the actual mute. Like, he's yes. not saying anything about Half my Biz. I'm a big fan. Oh, they, like, they were great. Him going and telling an anecdote about buying a disappointing Tesco meal deal and then sitting in, in Walter Park with his kids was really funny in a way that like that's like getting an exclusive half from our biscuit song that no one will ever hear again yes and telling the audience to nip round to his nan's house and giving out the address and saying if you tell him yes. i sent you she'll make you a cup of tea which is hilarious but anyway right the reason why i bring this up that conversation mm. about football with the crowd that monologue is because at some one stage on the commentary will greenwood just has that exact same conversation and completely unprompted just starts listing a load of French players from the mid to late 1990s and goes, oh... Christophe Lamaison had a very big like, right boot on him and uh, we all knew the dangers that he possessed Philippe Bernard Sal oh, he was the captain back then and he had a really good set of feet on him Patrice Le Bon what a great <laughs> handsome devil and had silky offloading uh, just as silky as indeed his hair Jean-Luc Sardiné oh who could forget the tries that he scored back in the day oh what a fantastic player and meanwhile, John Champion in the commentary box is clearly just looking at him just kind of, are, are you about done? Are <laughs> you done? Can we move on now, Will? I always played a game on this podcast with you, hmm. and I might play it very quickly since you've led it on to very, very neatly. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if you saw, The Telegraph have just published an article of Will Greenwood talking about every single player from the England squad in Steve Balfour's England squad for the oh, World Cup. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I want to read you at random some of the things that Steve Borthwick said about, remember, the current England squad of the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Well, Greenwood Yes, who he's talking about. Yep. Okay. Okay. We got called Dad's Army in 2003. Oh, Jesus Christ. This lot have plenty of experience. <laughs> Dan Isn't Cole. Through, no. A proper old guard with the nastiest, gnarliest mongrels they can pick. This guy is front and centre of that. This is the nastiest, gnarliest mongrel in England, in that England squad. Who do you think of when you think of that? Um, Ellis Gensch? No. Jamie George. Jamie Um, George, okay. Eddie moved him to full-back, and Steve wants him on the ball as much as possible, leading and snarling. It's a big World Cup for him. Can he prove himself on the international stage? Domestically, he has bossed it. Elliot Daly? No. Oh, what? Freddie Stewart? No. (laughs) Anthony Watson? No. Max Malins? (laughs) No. What? I've skipped the first sentence in this. Henry Arundel. No. Who the fuck is left that plays fullback? Who is it? Okay, the first sentence is Ellis would have been close to full time captain. Sure. What? Ellis Genge. Because he played in the backfield against France that once. Oh, right. Okay. What? Yep. This is a good one on Bevan Rod. We come from the same boarding house in the same school, so take my admiration for pinch of salt. But his breakdown work is brilliant, and let's do one more. let's do okay. Here's an easier one, right? In the great lock combos, one's the battering ram. Even in this hybrid world, I like 120 kg second row who smashes things, and he can play. Remember that offload against New Zealand? Oh, Dave Ribbons. Dave Ribbons. Okay, this is another good one. In football, managers that are drafted into tricky situations <laughs> hit the transfer market and pick up old favourites. A blank player's name is mobile and has scored tries. If you have older guys in the front row, he balances things. He reminds me a lot of Shannon Frizzell. <laughs> so is this about a back rower? No. It's about a front rower? No. It's about a back? No. A second rower then? Yeah. Courtney Laws? No. Uh, Marotoge. No. George Martin. No. The other one. Ollie oh, Chesham. Okay, yeah. There's a random anecdote about football managers, followed Great by Chesham has scored tries. I'm sure he has. But I can't think of them. Here's oh, no, the I thing. I think it's on for Leicester. I can't think. He has not think he scored for England. I might be forgetting that very obviously because my brain is so leaky. Yeah, he did score against Italy. Oh, he did. he did. He yeah. did. He did. He did. Okay. He yeah. has scored tries. Here's the thing, though Will Greenwood has gone insane in the last 16 years. He is mostly cocaine at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I've so very, very much like enjoyed him listening, listening to, him. to Yeah, um, Oh, yeah. He's much better. Yeah. But you can still see what he goes on to become. Sure. Sure. And by the way, that whole monologue about just French players was over the top of frustrated winger Malkaz Urjukashvili randomly going for a drop goal because he was pissed off that his team were going for like quite a coherent set of pick and goes. Yes. And really wanted to just do something. And he just attempts a drop goal from 40 meters and it doesn't hit the target. Yeah. I mean I I kinda I kind of enjoyed that. I'm kind of all here for that. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm so here for it. I wish that Georgia went for more just really long sequences of pick and goes because sure, like, generally yeah. they're making yardage right and like at one point Georgia do an inside ball from a forward and they make 10 meters at once and you're like holy shit what just happened <laughs> it's the best attack of the tournament doesn't involve an interception yeah it is very strange when they try and do something other than a pick and go georgia because it's all they are you know they make 10 meters hmm. in one go and there's been like bloody hell we can do that and that's the thing that france clearly just look at this and just go like, right okay if we just pile everyone around the contact area we're also fat bastards so we can <laughs> live with this we can just give them 10 meters and that's it cash in from there shortly after that Elisard does an absolutely gorgeous moment it's like the oh. one moment of him like he still has that like nonchalant like i hate that i'm playing this game but if you want me to be class i should be class Weird. where he scoops the ball after a terrible pass up off his toes and he looks up, sees the Georgian defenders up very flat and dinks this gorgeous kick in behind right at the 22. Yeah, for Christoph Domenici to run onto once again, who makes a phenomenal pickup yeah. on this. Like, from and has to like, adjust. Like, The ball does not bounce in his path. He has to run inwards and change his line completely in order to regather it. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic as a finish and it's brilliant class. as a kick. Yeah, and he uses his momentum of the pickup to then slide in for the try. It's brilliant. I would say try of the day. I would not disagree. It's certainly yes. certainly up there. Leonale scores a really boring try where they get scrum five from box east being unbelievable, yeah. and they just like sort of do like a pick and go that turns into a maul, and eventually Nale falls over and scores. Yeah, Third yeah. try of the tournament. Mm. That's again Nale just being a big fat bastard and being very good at that. Yeah, uh, big fan of Leonale. Um, interesting that happens immediately after that though remy martin comes on yeah and not that, only did he come on he scores yeah so i remember remy martin i did not remember him looking like this yeah well i only remember remy martin from the first game of this tournament i don't really remember watching him play uh i remember like, him genuinely. playing i remember him being a player that existed mm, you know, is it? i recognize his name yeah and obviously, like a lot of the time, I was watching him. Obviously, he has a period in Montpellier, but he spent a lot of it in the Pro Um mm-hmm. But I remember him. Be- I remember there being a French player called Remy Martin. You know, I don't remember his French career much. Yeah, but I don't remember him being this like proto Richie Gray, shaggy second row <laughs> who kind of runs around being mad. I have like no opinions on Remy Martin. I think he's really fun in this game, um, yeah. but like not necessarily in great ways. But like you're like, oh, it's the, the massive guy with the shaggy hair again. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he tries lovely, on. By the way, yeah. And two minutes after coming onto the field, he finishes this really lovely, flowing move. Where he's running a lovely support line. Yeah. Takes it, runs it in. Like does an embarrassing dive. We're trying to do a far better dive. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Back row he can play lock shit. Yeah. From a jo- Josion rip. Uh, mm. on a kind of choke tackle type thing. Dominici getting it wide when he really wanted something to open up for himself so he could go for a hat-trick. But sadly, jug avoidance it is for you, Christoph. Around this period as well, we have... So Georgia struggling the scrum for most of this game, mm. um, which is unlike, you know, players of the calibre they have in that pack. Yeah. But at one point, the referee calls over Chevalidze, their replacement hooker, as well as, you know, the the two props, But it's mostly speaking to Shevolidze, the hooker. Yes. And... I am a big fan of this conversation. So Alan Lewis is the referee here. Yes. And he does do quite a lot of telling off here. Like early in the second half, there's a point where he warns Mice and says, hmm. be very careful or I might, might have to yellow card you. At which stage, like, Elisar tries to take a quick tap and looks really pissed off at Alan Lewis for warning the opposition and <laughs> to give him a yellow card, which any other scrum off would be like, yeah, absolutely, you know, you should send him off now, sir. But he's fuming at the fact that yeah. Alan Lewis has had the audacity to talk to the opposition player and warn them to stop them giving away penalties. But yes, so that because- is the lead-up for this. Yeah. He calls Shevaladze over. Mm. And he says three times, I'm going to be very clear, very slowly, as though he's trying to give instructions to a foreign tourist on where Mm. they want to go, on how they get to the bibliotech. He says, I'm going to be very clear. He says, I'm trying to help you. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to help you, but you must play. And he's like very slowly, like shaping his lips very carefully. And the Georgian hooker's like nodding at him. And he says, you must play within the rules of the game. You must play within the laws. And chevalier say, the hooker goes, okay. And then walks yeah. off. <laughs> but then Alan Lewis calls him back and he says, trust me, within the context of this game, I'm trying to help you. And that was the, what he sent him away with. And then, like, Sheldon Zigg and kind of, like, winks at him, like, all right, all right, okay, so you're going to award us some points, like, you're on our team, you're being biased to us. And, like, Alan Lewis pretty much basically just admits that, and I'm here for it. He's like, I'm sympathy reffing now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I need you to know this, but, like, there is a limit. Yeah, yeah, because George discipline is shite. there is there is not much sympathy reffing he can do. I am just a huge fan. I spent the rest of the half saying in the way the Chevrolet says it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Look back at him going, okay. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so you good. You must play within the laws. <laughs> okay. Alan Lewis just admittance that he's being biased to the losing team because they lose by that much. In the World Cup, yep. where points difference is a thing. Like that's really funny. And the best thing is, right? We're skipping forward like three or four minutes. But the following time France get down into the Georgian 22, they don't help him out at all. <laughs> it's like they didn't take the okay oh, on at all. As we have the most send him off, you dirty get. Moment oh, of yeah. The whole World Cup. I think this is right up there in terms of the biggest cunts tricks that have been pulled in this World Cup. And yeah. we talked on last week's episode about Acapulci and Guerra just clean off kicking stephen jones Mm. this i think is like notably worse i think this is like the most horrible hideous bit of shithousery brackets negative brackets derogatory of this whole tournament yes so the culprit is otar eloshvili who is number 21 for georgia has just come on and the first thing he does is he sees Remy Martin and puts in what starts off as so quite a good tackle on him.
1: Like, yeah. well, okay, in the so, making.
0: Yeah. So, France have, by this point, time has been called off mm-hmm. and has received the ball. Time's been called off. I think the, I think there's a player out of touch, in touch. He's flicked it back inside to Martin. Yes. And Ellis Villey has come in. He's just come off the pitch. He's come in to like make the tackle, but you know, like he knows he doesn't have to commit to it. There's Gagari, the 13. Starting thirteen comes in and like joins him in the tackle. The two of them together. gagari is going like, okay, whistle's gone. You know, we'll we'll pull out of this. And at that moment, knowing that they've got a solid contact, the two of them, Ellis Philly goes for the dirtiest bit of like cheap shot, cunt trick imaginable. He where... spear tackles Remy Martin. Yeah. He lifts him. Like he has a moment. You can see it on like slow motion replay. Like red mist descending for literally no reason
1: and yeah he
0: picks him up and he drives him into the ground like it's not just like a casual spear tackle the whistle is gone he picks him up and he drives this guy's head into the floor yeah it's as you say it is a cunch trick it's not nice and alan lewis looks at that and goes all right yellow card then is it on the recommendation of his touch judge i will add but the worst thing is yeah he gives the yellow card to the wrong guy. Yeah. Because the two players going in for that tackle, he gives it to Gagari. He's you know what's really? even more mental? Gagari wasn't the assist tackler there. Was he not? No, he wasn't even involved. It was Bakalaya. was the other tackler involved. So he's just been completely the wrong he's guy. He's just seen the wrong guy. He's trying to help you. Yeah. And it's just gone, well, you can go to the bin. And Gagari looks so baffled when he goes off. Yeah. And I mean, like, look, he's really lucky to get away with her I mean, he obviously got away with no card. A yellow card's mm. lucky. He goes on to receive a seven-week ban for the spear tackle, Yeah, which feels soft. That's right very point. soft. I think very nowadays it would be much harsher, you know, head You'd contact hope. and everything else. You'd hope. However, the I think the positive of this, really, is he was never called up by Georgia again. Right, okay. Yeah. He didn't retire. Yeah. It wasn't his decision. He never got in the team again. Yeah, that's uh, he pretty was twenty-eight. Shite. Yeah, he went on to play in. I mean, like he dropped down the French leagues after that, but went on to play until twenty thirteen. But yeah, didn't play for George. Proper Valmahina of a way to end your career. It really is, and yet he got away with it. He got to play the he last, did. you know, ten minutes yeah. of the game after that. Disgusting, disgusting bullshit. Yeah, send the dirty gets off. Like, and the other thing is right. Like the incident is so violent as well that alan lewis piled in to start a fight yeah he's involved in the fight it's hilarious so, ellis really dumps this guy and his like remy martin on his head it's disgusting the french players go like <laughs> like you know all get mad at him and start to pile in at him so alan lewis goes and like charges in shoulder first and like tackles and gets ellis really out the way so he can't be a part of this fight he's sticking up for his team georgia and saying you get your hands off my boys yeah. But like he basically like piles in and grabs Elish. Like he is holding Elishbody by the shoulders and like yeah. pulling him out of the fight as though he sp- he's the one that's gone in first. Like he's the first person <laughs> to engage. And he starts the fight before the French players can get there. Incredible. Incredible. It is incredible. Okay. Okay. Um Yinel you throws a pass into touch and I just thought, yes, he's back. That's my boy. Yeah, yo, my yo. boy. And my favorite YNL moment was uh, like I've written yeah and in like block capitals like really big text because at one point he has a three v two in the opposition twenty two and he just lamps the ball into the air uh, yes! and completely like just doesn't pay any mind to what the conventional thing that is good to do in rugby is, and obviously like they don't score off it like he technically bombs the chance, but because it's yeah no box east, it's better than scoring a try yeah, yeah, of course of course, of course of course, of course, uh we should about George's try, yes. Speaking of the whole Alan Lewis situation, this is really funny. So he gives Georgia a penalty inside the French 22 after another sequence of pick and goes. And a really good kick by Sam Caradza to put them into position, like near 50-22. And as My Saradza, the replacement back row forward, has the ball in his hands, he's trying to find the mark to go for the quick tap from. And Alan Lewis is like directing him. And he says, yeah, go on, go on, go on. And like really eggs him on to take the quick tap. Clearly, just doing a little bit of coaching whilst refereeing. Yeah. Very much like driving him towards taking this tap. And sure enough, Maestro the flanker, takes the quick tap, charges on this like diagonal angle and somehow comes out with a try. Yeah. He battered his way over and like the whole time as Alan Lewis is coming around to find the angle, like he's got one arm in the air and he's just like, please let me blow this whistle. I'm so glad that they finally got a try. And then he awards it really quickly. It's glorious. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, Box East does a chip and David Skrella like fluffs a try scoring chance as we get towards the end of the game oh yeah I mean so my favourite moment from this last passage of French attack is mm. Van Claire steps in at fly off and goes for a cross kick himself <laughs> yeah. like he goes like I can do that anyone can do this we've been season training this week that's yeah, fine I, I bet I can do it the other way round it doesn't go well he put it out in the ball it's terrible but it's very very funny yeah that's great in fact, though, no, that is what leads to the the violent incident. It leads oh, to it Martins. Yeah, it's Claire going for a cross kick himself. <laughs> and, like, obviously that goes out, and, like, so they can't tap it back in field and everything. And, yeah, violence. Um, violence. However, France do get the ball back, and you know what happens? What happens? It's spin it right out to Julian Bonaire. Yes. But Janet Young has chimes his pass really well here, and Bonaire is... Both commentators immediately say Bonaire really deserves that try, yeah. which he does. He does. Um, he does. He's been really solid all game. Uh, hangs out on the wing, uh, does a little step inside, and finishes it very powerfully. It's very nice. Yeah, the number eight era of Julian Bonair, mm, indeed. Yeah, just a fantastic player. Really well taken try, and brings down the curtain on this particular game of rugby and old stage. And with it, Georgia's world. Cup, yes, put on the song Georgia by Phoebe Bridges. Uh, I've got Georgia by Vance Joy. Ah, okay, came up before it. Um, yes, so Georgia, they have been great company in this World Cup. They have, um, I think that they've had a very specific style of play which wouldn't work these days, but I think for what 2007 was, it was great to see a team who had such a defined identity, yeah. And this is the start of the Georgia we now know and love, you know. Mm. We've talked about this a lot over the horse podcast, but this is them rising and getting to a position which they can be where they are now, where they're beating Italy Wales. Yeah. A lot of that yeah. comes from this World Cup, from the belief it gave, and also from the inspiration for the rest of the world. Where Georgia was quite a young country at this point, as we say, like, there are players mm. playing in this game that were playing in matches right after they declared independence. Like, the country's been around for 18 years, so that's almost nothing. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so you then see there are players in the modern team who took up rugby as a result of watching this Georgian team. You know, you have the same story for Niko Amitashvili, Kelly, sorry, exact same story, you know, of being, watching that island game and taking up rugby as a result. And then obviously, you know, taking refereeing from there. It's just such a vital moment in Georgian rugby history and in European rugby history, indeed, that World Rugby can't be allowed to squander by keeping them out of the, you know. You said it. World Cup. Yes. non-World Cup test matches sure in terms of the Georgian specific team of this, this tournament I think some of the players that have really impressed me I think Georgi Kajdse in the back row has been yes. so good as a carrier yeah uh, was sadly quite anonymous in this game playing number 8 but I rate him really highly here Ilya needs how high yeah. he has gone up in my estimations off the back of this tournament has been next level. Because he went to 2011 and I didn't really notice him. But here, yeah. he's the captain and he's like, he's the talisman. He's incredible. I agree. Agreed. I think he's absolutely fantastic. I was going to mention him as one of my first players. Uh, George Skinner as well. George Skinner is obviously fantastic. He obviously doesn't play in this game, but was will be remembered forever. For so as long as the Rugby World Cup is a thing, his try against Ireland will be remembered and will be shown and will be talked yeah. about. Yeah. And rightly so. He is like one of George's best players, legitimately this tournament Isn't just the top one moment that we thought it was going to be. He's the most fun for sure. Yeah. Uh Philly I think yeah, is fantastic as well. Urge is somebody back I think we've both always rated, but yeah. like great seeing him kind of more a bit more in his prime. I was gonna stage. say it's kind of at his peak, isn't it? And I think that, to be honest, I think the standout player in this whole tournament for me, and people will not be surprised to hear me say, other than maybe David Sirakashvili, who's very, very good, even at this level. Like, mm. he's always been great, consistent at world-class prop. But I think people who have listened to the other Georgian episodes of this will not be surprised to hear me say, Iraqi McAnally. Yeah, He is so good, makes such an impact in every game he plays. As I say, another player who I... Remember watching, but did not realize how bloody good he was until watching his tournament. I think the other the Iraqi Zhigadze is also very good at 12. Yes, yes. Um, Big as fan of is Rayosi Labadze in the back yes. row as well. Misses this game injured, but it's fantastic. We also should mention this young second row they had called Mamuku Godze. Indeed. Who is enormously impactful in the first few games. He was in the process um, of going places. It's really interesting, actually, when you look at this team, the players that go on to be part of, you know, great Georgian teams down the line. Mm. David Kashirava is himself, but he's not necessarily one of the standout players. Same with Meri Kovacashvili, who's very up and down. Yeah, but as I say, those guys all do go on to become greats of Georgian rugby. So, yeah, good to see them in the making. Yeah, really good Georgian team. Really a pleasure to watch them. And an interesting point in rugby history to be filling in. And looking at. For sure. For sure. So should we do Man of the Match first? Yes, let's do it. So there's a few players I've got written down. One is Alan Lewis. I think he's excellent for Georgia. I think he really helps them pull the finger out in the second half. Elisard is batshit and I love it. Nyonga is a player that we've not mentioned quite how much he does but he has yeah. An, yeah. Like, an indirect involvement probably in the majority of the tries and makes a load of breaks and so on. Yannick Joseon, pretty much the same story as Nyanga. But my man of the match, and I'm not being, just living up to the hype here, but it's Lionel Buxis. Y- yes, He's incredible. It is. So I have one player jot down and it is Lionel Buxis. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And it is Those th- are all sympathy votes. It's unironic. It is entirely serious. Lionel Buxis is, my, is the best player on the pitch. He's so I- good. He's so good. He's ridiculously good. Uh, the shape and structure he puts in the game whilst also being a player who can command the attack is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he is absolutely brilliant. It's one of the best fly-half displays of the entire tournament. And yeah. I know it's playing against a Georgian team who can't really be bothered and are knackered and, you know, like, don't play very well at all. Yeah. But he's absolutely fantastic. Unironic, He's phenomenal. This is yeah. the yo-yo very much, like, at the height, at the top of its absolutely. game. Absolutely absolutely um no we're in full agreement there about and L. in terms of dick of the day Mm. i've have to go for otar eloshvili right and it's not even for the spear tackle it's for the fact that gigari got sent off and he was just like yeah all right sound and just let him get sent off like take the bullet mate so I was at uh, a very similar manner. Uh, I want to give Ellis really cunt of the day because it is an utter cunt's trick and good riddance on him in his international career if that's the kind of shit he does the moment he comes on. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to give Alan Lewis Dick of the Day for the exact same thing. I mean, that's player. also um, fair. You know, like, <laughs> Alan Lewis, uh, I think he's great in this game and I'm a big fan of him as a ref, but he does kind of deserve Dick of the Day in this game. Yeah. He takes his second vote at the tournament as Dick of the Day. Oh, brilliant. So... Yeah, we've now got a dick of the tournament front line contender. There we go. Unless we declare Clive Woodward dick of the tournament, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah no we'll get the referee. Yeah, hey, there's um, another like ten games left. There is. So, ooh, that brings us to an end. Hopefully, that was less than two hours. I don't think it was. Um, But I'll see you, William Owen, soon, and I'll see the listeners also soon. For we will be back next week for Ireland against Argentina I can't, there are only two games left at the full stage we had originally been going to try and rush through them all and do them all before the world cup that is completely unrealistic would be ridiculous we literally don't have the time to do it like literally neither of us physically have enough hours between now and the World Cup to be able to do that. Considering we've got to get bloody how many of other videos done as well. And also I've got to finish planning logistics for going to France and you're going to like two festivals and I've got to go to Edinburgh for a few days. Yeah. And I'm also doing like things it's like... It's just, con- it's just it's not just constant. working. But we'll come back to the so knockouts after the World Cup. Which yeah. is unfortunate. It's not the way we want to do it. We wish we could rattle through these but we physically can't. And it's really upsetting obviously to have to park it. But... You know what? We've got a couple of really enjoyable group games still to come. So that's a very exciting thing to look forward to. So yeah, so we've got two more episodes to go. Argentina, Ireland, South Africa, USA, which we should have a guest on for. Fingers crossed. Then we will maybe do a little retrospective, maybe just look over those games quickly. Mm. And also we've got a plan for the podcast when we head into the real Rugby World Cup that will all become very clear soon, down the line, in soon months' time, soon days' time, soon weeks' time. It's really close now, the World Cup. But yeah, we'll see you very soon for that. In the meantime, I desperately hope that you have a bootalicious day and <laughs> you remain very, very booty full and enjoy a little bit of him, Frances. ye are now, ye are now ye are now, boxy ye are now too All right. Um, c'est la prof.